0: From a rainy Pacific Northwest, it is indeed a Wednesday, June 3rd, 2015. My name is Chris, and this is Tech Talk Today, episode 178. Good morning. It's good to have you here with us. We have a lot to cover today. The news has really picked back up this week, um, and maybe it's like, I, to be honest, the reason why Chris is surprised about this is I thought I was going to be sitting here telling you guys I really want to give you some great news. I really wish we had stuff to tear into, but it is the lull between Google I.O. and WWDC, and nobody, nobody is dumb enough to make news between the two biggest tech events of the year. (coughs) Totally incorrect. Actually, uh, we have quite a bit of news to cover, and I'm really glad about it. So before we get into it, let me bring in our mumble room. Time-appropriate greetings, (laughs) mumble room. Hello. Hey, good morning. Hello. Hey, guys. So uh, I know you guys are all huge fans uh, and close personal friends of uh, CEO of Apple, Tim Cook. Tim Cook speaks at, on the importance of privacy and encryption at the Champions and Freedom event yesterday. It was uh, it was a big event, and uh, Tim Cook was an honored guest. Uh, and uh, at the event, he spoke via – video calling, probably not Skype, I'm sure. I'm sure he was using FaceTime. Uh, And he said, uh, like many of you, we at Apple reject the idea that our customers should have to make trade-offs between privacy and security. That's how Cook opened. We can and we must provide both equal measure. We believe that people have a fundamental right to privacy. The American people demands it. And the Constitution demands it. Morality demands it. Now, he went on to talk about specifically about some of the evil companies in Silicon Valley. And when I read this statement, I thought, all right, well, let's, let's read this statement with, you know, Apple's been around for over 30 years. They helped create Silicon Valley. <laughs> so they probably have a pretty good perspective on how Silicon Valley has changed. And Cook says, uh, Cook says that Apple's going to commit to privacy more than ever while ambassing others. He says uh, Silicon Valley companies like Google and Facebook are collecting customer data. He says they're gobbling up everything they can to learn about you and they're trying to monetize it. We think that's wrong. And it's not the kind of company that Apple wants to be. No, we just want to sell you really expensive phones and watches. We believe that the customer should be in control of their own information. You might like these so-called free services, but we don't think they're worth having your email, your search history, and now your, even your family photos and data mined and sold off for God knows what advertising purpose. We think someday customers will see this for what it is. And then when he talked about encryption... Cook said that he believes it's incredibly dangerous that some government agencies advocate for unfettered access to customer data and devices. Uh, He's according to Cook, weakening encryption with a master key for the government has a chilling effect on our First Amendment rights and undermines our country's founding principles. He says Apple will continue moving forward with encryption and will focus on building products that keep people's information safe. So I can't argue with a single thing that man just said. And not only that, but that man is speaking for a publicly traded company, one of the most important and richest publicly traded companies in the world. And he's making some very controversial statements, something that the United States government is uh, is completely on the opposite end of the spectrum of. And uh, I don't know what to exactly make of it. It could all just be marketing speak. I haven't heard another CEO say this stuff, not another CEO of a company like this. Um, In fact, the only other people I've heard say something even similar to this are Edward Snowden and presidential candidates, Ron, uh, Ron Paul or Rand Paul. Um, I, I can't even think of who else talks like this in a public forum. Is it just lip service? What do you think, Corky? Hmm? I don't think it is. I think it's more than just lip service. I think, I think this is going to be Apple's key differentiating marketing thing. I think they're going to double down on, on trying to underscore the values in the hardware, and they're going to continue blasting Google. And you think you're going to have Microsoft do the same thing? And, they're going to, Apple, and Google, Apple and Microsoft are going to be working together on this front like nothing else. Imacon says it doesn't matter if it's lip service uh, because it gets a little knowledge out there either way. Hmm. Micah68 says I think they need to fight Google by, by, by pivoting to really good privacy, something that Google can't really do. And uh, switches alt says he thinks it's a bit of both. To be honest, that's where I fall down too. Is I think they they do think this. I mean, it, it, it comes. It's easy for Apple to say this because their company isn't rooted in mining data. Their company is rooted in selling really expensive pieces of hardware, and they've been doing that for a really long time. So it, they couldn't, as a company, pivot to data mining and advertising if they wanted to, right? They launched their own uh, iAd platform for iOS, and it sucks. There's more people using Google's ad platform on on iOS than there are people using Apple's own ad platform because it sucks, probably because it doesn't get enough data. (laughs) So that's not Apple's game. Just like Apple can't get into social for the life of them. They suck at it. It's just not in their DNA. And so it's easy for them to make this argument because they couldn't change if they wanted to. So really, it's easier for them to become the privacy-focused company than it would be for them to go to Google's side of the game. So I think they're taking what's sort of in their nature and making the best out of it. Any other Anybody else have any other thoughts in the mum room before we uh, move on? I mean, that is a good
1: argumentation, but in the same way, Microsoft would not have that possibility because it's a software company.
0: Yeah, Microsoft can't make quite the same claim. They can't say we have secure enclaves in our custom A8 chip for the fingerprint data uh, but microsoft can make the claim that they work with businesses they work in enterprise and they don't monetize based on user information that's all still pretty good stuff uh, yeah it's so crazy too and this is going to get heavier and like apple apple is going to lead the, i think apple's going to be the cheerleader on this on this fight this is all stuff that us technical users have been talking about for a while but apple is going to be the one that leads the pub, the public campaign and just like a lot of other tech companies rip apple off i think they're going to also pick up on this and the reason i say that is because Name me a super important segment of the tech sector that Google isn't currently getting into. They're doing domains now. They're getting into shopping. They're com- they, have a comp- they have a competitor in certain markets to Amazon Prime. They're getting into self-driving cars. They're getting into robotics. They're getting into drones. They already dominate advertising. They already dominate search. They're getting into office. They're getting into business app hosting. They're getting into cloud computing big time, Google Compute. I mean, hello. They're in every single market. In the, they're competing with Amazon, Microsoft, Apple, Oracle, all of them. They're competing with all of them. They even have their own operating system that is the number of, They, uh, they basically – They are going to get surrounded by the tech industry because they are going to become the number one competitor to all these different companies, and all of these different companies are going to start clicking together on a similar message, and they're all going to start saying the same thing. I'm not even saying it's some big collusion. I'm saying Apple's going to be out there beating this drum, and the other companies are going to listen to that drum and realize they could beat the same tune, and people will start listening, and I think this is how it happens. I think this is how the general public begins the pushback against Google. I don't think it means Google's doomed. I think Google's very smart and very clever. And they're going to continue to do things like that My Account dashboard that we talked about yesterday to sort of reassure customers. So that's good. In the end, I suppose it's good for consumers in a way. But, yeah, oh, boy. It's going to be an interesting couple of years. Like it's, going to, like it's just getting started, the competition. Google's really moving in on a lot of fronts. Uh, so I, I, find it, I find that fascinating. And to keep an eye on all of it, never fear. The government snooping has officially resumed as of today. Yes, the Patriot Act provisions that allowed the collection of the phone metadata expired on Sunday, uh, primarily thanks to Senator Rand Paul and delaying that. But uh, after a lot of hard work by Senator Mitch McConnell, boy, oh boy, do we manage to get it pushed back through. And we have got, thankfully, thankfully, the watchful protection of the NSA once again. A little bit of a difference now, though. Uh, The metadata will no longer be stored on the NSA's campus. Instead, the big change is the metadata is now stored on the NSA servers at the Telco's campus. Yeah! Of course, still, uh, you still have the Pfizer res- uh, rubber stamp court to get access to that. He'll give you right there. You can get all the information. You're going to get quick, good, clear access. Oh, also, you'll be really glad to know a new provision was added called the Lone Wolf Provision. Yes, the Lone Wolf Provision allows them to monitor U.S. citizens that have no connection to terrorism at all. So that's also been added and improved. So hello, we're all nice and safe. We can go about our work days, citizen. Thank you, NSA, and we'll have more coverage in tonight's episode of Unfilter. So uh, Google Photos has come out. Sp- talk about spying on you and analyzing your data. And I have been using it since Google I.O., the new Photos app. They've broken it out of Google+, and moved it in its own standalone application. And holy crap, this thing is a monster. It is so cool. So it automatically uploads your photos as you take them. If you opt to go with 16 megapixel high as your highest resolution and 1080p as your highest video resolution, then it's unlimited free storage. Which is nuts if you think about that. Like people like people like my wife have half a terabyte worth of photos, and I think they're probably all around or under 16 megapixel and under 1080p video. She could back all those up for free. Now, if you want raw photos and 4K video, you then you pay for your Google Drive storage. Uh, and I gotta I gotta be honest. You know, you can. This is where Google. This is where Google wins. This is such cool technology. Not only does it just sort of run transparently in the background. But like, if you're like me and, and have just lost track of your photos over the years, they've just grown and grown and grown, all of that organizing you swore you were going to sit down and do, Google has done. And it does it so well. You go into search. And it's like, oh, you want to search? Well, here's everything I've already figured out. Here's all of the pe- here's all of the people, the places, the objects, things like food, cars, computers. Like it recognizes freaking objects and auto characterizes them, uh, auto uh, categorizes them. Here's the places you took photos at. Oh, that picture of that person who's way in the background in that crowd. Yeah, I'll go ahead and add them to that. It automatically organizes all of it. Oh, you know what? It looks like uh, Walt Mossberg uh, for Recode and now The Verge uh, has a uh, a video on it. Maybe we could, maybe he'll, he might he might actually demo this for you. I might not need to even tell you about it he could show us take it away mr mossberg maybe maybe you know recode now that you're on the verge maybe you guys could afford for a little bit better video hosting (laughs) you know google's got this great service called youtube now funny enough you're talking about google photos you could also try out youtube recode (laughs) So anyways, maybe we can't watch this uh, Walt Mossberg video. But the new Photos app is super slick, and it's available for iOS as well, so that's kind of nice. You know, the Apple one, Apple Photos, isn't available for the uh, Android. It's really, really good at face recognition. It's not it's not gimmicky at all. Uh, it, it, The places, the categorization, the auto-awesome features, it is really, really good stuff. The only downside is, is Google's getting a lot of data. A lot of data. Um... But if you need, you know, if you trust Google and you need a good way to back up your photos, super. Anybody in the mumboom tried out the new Photos app yet? No, you guys are all too paranoid. You guys are all too busy polishing your tinfoil hats. It's cool. It's cool. It's well, I r- used to use
1: Google's RSS features and their tools, but then they killed them. So I'm trying to avoid the yeah, full replacement for all of my other offline. You systems. do get a little
0: gun shy, don't you? You get a little gun shy. Uh, I think the waffle maker in the chat room says, of course, the face recognition works good. They want to know who you're hanging out with, Chris. Oh, <laughs> OK. That's true. Uh, that is very true. I just uh, photos are like I don't want to ever lose them. And I'm I don't know. I just I don't know what to do about it. it it's one, of those, it's one of those things where I want to have a good backup of my photos. I want to have them organized, and I want to have them available across all my devices because I've got a couple different devices I take photos with, and that's what the Google Photos app is super great at. Hey, let's talk about Skype. You want to crash it? These eight characters will crash Skype, and then once you're in your chat history, the app will never start again. Yep, yep. And I guess apparently all you have to type is HTTP colon slash slash colon. That's it. <laughs> and then it crashes Skype forever. Uh, now, I think they've already pushed out a fix. But if you type in, if so, say you put in a chat message, HTTP colon slash slash colon, and then hit enter and sent it. Uh, 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 oh, okay. Here's Skype has fixed the bug in under 24 hours. We're aware of the Skype issue and have rolled out updates for impacted products. Uh, and they have more information in the forums. Yeah, I know I don't actually have Skype installed, but I wondered, does anybody in the mumbo room have Skype and willing to try this? I don't I've know tried if it, it, and it's fixed. Oh really? Windows version or Skype version? Um this is on Windows. Okay. All right, that's too bad. That was a funny one. I
1: will I'll just try it on iOS. Uh, not on iOS, on Android
0: right now. Okay. Oh yeah, maybe it affects Android too. <laughs> Doing it. Doing it. <laughs> Come on phone. You could do it. You could crash. You could do it. Hmm, it'd be funny if they that would mean a lot of shared code if it crashed on the phone and the desktop. I'd be I'd actually That's kind why of, I'm trying it. That actually kind of surprised me. Uh, All right, you know what? Why I could here. Here's a little. uh, There you go. Now you go. You got this background music. Oh come on, where where is it? It's slow to start, isn't it? (laughs) You got to find it. It, Skype is a monster on the phone. I don't even know how they made Skype somehow. Like is like got like the accelerated battery usage feature. Blaster can be my victim. (laughs) There you go. Crash his Skype too. And sending. No, it's, it's it's visible but it's not crash on Android. Uh, where's my iPod? Alright, alright, so it doesn't all do the, the devices. I- yeah, try alright, try it on the iPod, let's find out. <laughs> I like this. You got a lot of devices nearby, huh? Oh <laughs> uh, that no. Uh, Chrome OS it wouldn't work because that's the Android package. Alright, alright. So I, I guess I'll find it. In other words, in other words, Microsoft has successfully resolved the issue for now, I think. It was a good test, though. That was a good test. I like that. Uh, Speaking of Microsoft, Microsoft might have just bought your favorite task manager, Wunderlist. At least it was mine. And uh, I think a few people in the crew here at Jupyter Broadcasting use it, and now you've got a nice Android Wear app that makes it really nice. But today, Microsoft has bought Wunderlist. Now, you might say, Chris, why are you covering uh, a task manager app purchase? Well, my friend, because let's talk about the big picture here. Microsoft is buying up some of the really, really good productivity apps on mobile. And uh, they so they um, they bought Sunrise Calendar and they've re-released Sunrise Calendar and people are still saying it's a great freaking calendar app. And, and they've also bought some other apps recently that are very practical, very well-established, very well-known apps that Microsoft – so Microsoft is so good at doing this, buying up into a market. And this is exactly what they're doing. Uh, Koki, you had a point you wanted to make.
1: I think Microsoft is still very focused on their office suite. Things like their all of the new stuff they came out with Windows Eight, like Link, and now they're reincorporating back into Skype, um, a new task manager, note manager. They're all. I think they're going to just fold it all back into their office suite so it lasts well, forever.
0: It would be. I mean, you take Wonderlist and Sunrise. And you fold those into Office. You just folded some of the best mobile apps in those categories into Office. You just made Office one of the – I mean Office, I think, is still arguably for the business the most competitive Office suite if you remove price. And I think most businesses will even consider it with price to be the most competitive. And uh, when you add these kind of features to it – but what's fascinating about it, right, is these aren't – they're not keeping them Windows only. They're not making them Windows platform only. They are keeping them for iOS and Android. So when Microsoft is doing this, they are building a larger and larger catalog of Android software. Still pretty remarkable, in my opinion, and, and, and smart. In fact, it kind of goes along with the story we're seeing about uh, SSH being introduced to PowerShell in the future. So the PowerShell team is announcing support for Open SSH. Uh, they're very excited, they say, to work with the Open SSH community to deliver that in PowerShell. Now, you might have thought, "Chris, you've already covered this story. You've already you've already you've already talked about SSH coming to PowerShell." Yeah, you're right. I've talked about it once. I've talked about it twice before. There's been two previous attempts to do this, but it just didn't work out for whatever internal political, you know, political reasons or whatever. But when you read through here, Actually, I'll just read it. I'll just read it verbatim. Actually, this makes a lot of sense. They say this is the last paragraph. But we'll have it linked in the show notes. Finally, I'd like to share some background on today's announcement because this is the third time the PowerShell team has attempted to support SSH. The, att- the first attempts were during PowerShell version one and version two, and were rejected. Given our change in leadership and culture, we have decided to give it another try this time because we are able to show the clear and compelling customer value and the company is very supportive. So I want to take a minute and thank all of you in the community who have been clearly and articulating make and articulating the case for why and how we should support SSH. Your voices matter and we do listen. Does that now when they say we have had a change in leadership and culture, isn't that another way of saying now the bomber's out of here, we can do things that our customers want? Sounds like it. It does, doesn't it? Doesn't it sound like they just slammed? I mean, they're basically. I mean, they basically are. They're saying changes in leadership and culture. Now, leadership could be in their department, but when you put it on a public blog like that, people the, the, the public's aware of Bomber. That's what I think of Bomber, I, and Azar agrees. And he, I think he was the one that found that line and then pointed it out. And I was like, yeah, I, I'm there. Uh, fascinating times. SSH support. You know, the way I used to have to do that was through, through Sigwin under Windows. Or, like, some really expensive Windows, tool. Yeah? All
1: Windows sysadmins have to use SIGWIN because there's no alternative. It's, it's the best at what it does, and no Windows sysadmin wants to use a second-rate
0: tool. Right. And you know what this means now? This means secure transfer is built into Windows now, SFTP, copying using SSH, like, from your Linux box to your windows box, no samba needed, no nothing. That is awesome. That is great. I I could theoretically now maybe even remotely mount my windows server over ssh in nautilus. I like that a lot.
1: Will they bring across scp though?
0: Yeah, I think they must, right? Cuz they I think they're all implementing the entire open ssh package. That's what I'm saying. I think you're going to get that. Oh, man. And then you combine that with our sync and oh, my gosh, Windows is almost like a real server. <laughs> That's kind of exciting. I mean, you know, for you Windows users. Last story is not really a story. But it's a link that kept coming up when I was browsing around looking for stories. And I have gotten this email from you guys a couple of times. Maybe because we just have, like, a percentage of our audience that are masochists. And uh, you get tired of cutting on yourself, and you want to torture yourself another way. Uh, so here it is, installing OS 10.10 Yosemite in VirtualBox. Now, don't say I didn't warn you, but enough of you have asked, and I, see, I, I, I kept seeing it pop up, and I thought, all right, this is a sign. I'm going to share this with you guys. It, uh, the guy wrote it up on Sunday, May 31st, so it's just a couple of days old because obviously today's June 3rd. Uh, and it is a step-by-step guide, which has been posted up on Pastebin, and then he's uh, cleaned it up, to uh, download Yosemite from the Mac App Store, so it's the official purchased legal version of yosemite and then set it up which means you're gonna need a mac and then set it up in VirtualBox, and then you can move it around so if you need your you know if you need yourself some mac on on your linux or windows box there you go and i will have a link for that in the show notes and uh, let me know how it goes i imagine it's gonna run awfully uh, awful awful but uh, let me know how it goes All science yeah, try it for science. Uh speaking of science, you know what else is a scientific experiment? The Jupiter Broadcasting Network. Can a community focused network truly succeed? Oh, let's find out. Go to patreon.com slash today and make it happen. Now we've lost a couple. We got up to 510 on Sunday. Because I opened my big dumb mouth and I said if the Linux action show audience gets us to 530, I'm gonna fly to Ground Forks Grand Forks, North Dakota, I'm gonna put on Noah's Google Glass. And I'm going to do a Last Cribs because apparently this guy has automated his whole freaking house. I don't know if you guys heard his story in this Sunday's Linux Action Show. It was like a two-hour show, so it was way into it. It was like in the feedback segment. But this guy has got like – this guy's got like, he's living he's – he makes Bill Gates' house look old. I mean it's nuts. So I'm thinking uh, if that thing gets to 5.30 to celebrate, I might fly to Grand Forks. But I don't know. I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, and I wanted – I said it's got to be the last audience because I felt like the Tech Talk Today audience is always stepping up. So I said, last audience, go there and make that fight. It's not happening. We've actually dropped two, which I guess is nice because Grand Forks, North Dakota, there's no, way, there's no direct flight. And I hate having to get a connecting flight. So that's not so bad, I suppose. And really – That was just a fun way to actually just do a show from Noah's house. Patreon.com slash today, though, really what that money does is it keeps us going. And more more importantly, it allows us to experiment and try things without first having to put our hand out to a sponsor. And the reason why that is important is because when you're creating a show, it's much more freeing to really, truly focus on what the audience wants. Think of them as the people that are paying for that because that's our approach. And so that changes the recipe of how you formulate a show. Not that it ruins it when you formulate it for a sponsor, but think about it from a production standpoint. You're creating something, what's going to appeal to the the most amount of people to get the most amount of clicks, that way we get the most amount of ad hits, that way I can sell it for the highest price, and where do I work in this ad spot? How do I format this segment so that way there's a nice spot for an ad break before I go to the next thing? These are all things that are super important to think about when you have a sponsored show, but they're not necessarily things that make you think about what's a really great topic, what's good content, what's genuine to that content, what's genuine to the show, like... <clears throat> For example, this show doesn't have any intro music or outro music. I just start and stop because it's a podcast that you download every day. I don't need to waste your time with music that you're going to hear every single day. And we don't need to pretend like it's a radio show coming to you live with 5,000 watt watts or 50,000 watts. We don't need to – we don't have to pretend. And we're not trying to sell it to anybody. We're not trying to make it a product. that We need you know, somebody to, to want to buy. I just want something you guys enjoy listening to and get right into it that's the kind of difference when you're making a show just for your audience versus a show that's for sponsors and an audience. And the more we can do of that, the more our shows are tailored just for you. And when you look at all of the content that's available online and all of the main websites like Recode and The Verge and TechCrunch, you never quite feel like it's just for you, do you? Because it's not. It's for those huge ads that they sell. and We're talking a lot of money. And the more you do, the more you need. And I, I don't think there's ever a way to, for us to go completely commercial free because you know, that number would have to be significantly higher. But the more we can depend on that number, the less we depend on the other income sources and the more we stay, stay true to that vision. And the and higher number, that number goes up, the, the more that's the number that leads us. Patreon.com slash today to make the entire network better. And thanks to all 508 of you. And that brings us to the end of today's broadcast. I will be back later in the day for uh, a new episode of Unfiltered with Mr. Chase in the evening. And, of course, we're going to have BSE Now on the live stream in the afternoon. And then I'll be back tomorrow morning for Tech Talk Today at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern. JBLive.tv is where you watch that. And uh, jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar gets it in your local time. And techtalktoday.reddit.com is the subreddit to make this show better, to submit stories, kickstarters of the week. We haven't gotten one of those in a little while. And uh, feedback and things like that. Now, today is also a big day for gamers. This is probably going to get us pulled off YouTube, even though it's totally fair use to play this because it's newsworthy and it's promoting and helping spread the word about a commercial product. But whatever. We'll play it anyways. <coughs> Screw you, YouTube. Did you hear the news? Fallout 4 has been announced and it is looking so true to the original. It's got that, apo- you know, that apocalypse has happened and the world is totally awful. But yet it's got this really creepy optimism to it. Like, you know, like good classic Fallout should. It's looking really good. So I'm going to play that for you. It's great. And we've got to mark it as today is the day that it came out. It came out just a little bit right before we started the show. The chat room was all excited about it. So this is a great trailer. I'm going to play it for you. I'll see you right back here tomorrow. Thanks for being here, everybody. Have a great rest of your day. As I hit (coughs) enter. Now have a great rest of your day.
1: But the With the world poised on the brink of war, Voltech but is reporting a record number. Crying, but me Folks, uh, it seems we, we've got some breaking news. Standby. all over. No, I'm dry. Forget about how much I care
0: for you.
1: We seem to have lost contact with our affiliate stations. Standby. We do we do have. Over. We do have coming in confirmed reports of nuclear detonations. My God. Our soldiers are right. changes.